When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. My mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. And with perhaps the most perfect ending line of any movie in history... Uh, discuss. Uh, that's how we start the business of film this week. I'm Simon Rose. James Cameron Wilson is the man who will take us through the box office chart. James, how's it looking? It's not looking good, Simon. Oh. This is the worst top 10 we've seen since December of 2020. Wow. Uh, this is the first time since then no seven-figure performer uh, has appeared in the top 10. So no of the none of these films. And there's been a few new releases. So uh, you say just in December 2020, but we've had some weeks when the cinemas won't open. So you mean you mean unencumbered weeks? This is the first time where no film has made a wow. mil- over a million in the top 10. Since December 2020, wow. Yeah, so it's not looking good. Uh, last week, you may remember, it did jump up 10 point three percent um it's now fallen again 16.5 percent from the previous weekend but hey look look on the bright side that's still 2.9 percent better than the same weekend a year ago Mm. yeah so no big i mean i we all know that cineworld is going bankrupt and they were complaining there was a lack of big budget movies blockbusters to draw the audience in and I think when you look at the top 10, you'll see exactly what they're talking about because there's only one survivor, really, amongst the wreckage, which went up 5%, and that is Top Gun Maverick. But that is a big screen movie, and it really works on the big screen. And that's what punters want. Yes, yes. But well, we have a new entry at number one. Right. But it re- isn't really a film. It's Andre oh. Rios. <laughs> we have <laughs> talked about him a few times, haven't we? We have. Uh, he's a huge box office. He's got huge box office clout. This is his 2022 Maastricht summer concert. And it made 798,706 quid, which, of course, is his usual get-together and sing-along. Is that, is that just a... a- is that just a one night? That was just one screening, or no? That was over the weekend. I, I oh, think so it was more than one two. day because some sometimes yeah, yeah. I think we talked about. Then it had just been one night, hasn't it? Um, yes. Okay. So this was at least the Saturday and the Sunday, and of course Maastricht is in the Netherlands, and he's hugely popular. And it's extraordinary because he he's he's often been in the chart, but I don't think he's ever been at number one before. No, I think that may say much more about the competition, perhaps, than about him. Well, I think it does, although there is quite a big film at number two called Beast, which made £600,259. 
How much? And 600 what? I, I know, it's pathetic, isn't it? That is £600,000. Wow. And two hundred and fifty nine, to be exact. Not good. No. Not good at all. Uh, now, this is not to be confused with the Tamil action crime comedy of the same name, Beast, which I talked about back in April of mm. this year. Nor is this Beast to be confused with the American film Beast, Beast, which was released in April of last year. Nor indeed would the Jesse Buckley Beast, released in April of 2017. This beast is a whole new animal and stars Idris Elba as a doctor who takes his two teenage daughters on holiday in South Africa. More specifically, Nate Samuels, Idris Elba, takes his daughters to the Mopani Game Reserve where he first met their mother. It was his old friend Martin, played here by Shalto Copley, a biologist who introduced Nate to his future wife long before he moved back to New York with her, married her, raised their two daughters, separated from her, and then watched her die from a distance of cancer. So Nate has a lot of bridge building to do with his daughters, Maya and Nora, and he thought this was a good place to begin to take them back to her birthplace. But it's not a great start. Maya and Nora can't stand the heat and the humidity and are appalled when they realise there's no Wi-Fi at Martin's Lodge and they can't even get any reception on their phones. Mm. But on their first trip into the bush, the girls are entranced by the wildlife. And Maya, who has brought her Nikon, is particularly drawn to the scenery and the baobab trees, a favourite of her mother's. But there's still tension in the jeep as Nate attempts to build up a rapport with his daughters, and particularly Maya. Then things turn nasty when they visit a neighbouring village, and Nate and Martin discover that all the inhabitants, all 15 families, have been slaughtered. Now, I should explain, there was a prologue which I think was a terrible mistake, in which you see poachers killing and then carting off a whole pride of lions when they are suddenly attacked by a silent beast. This immediately pigeonholes the film as a generic monster mm -hmm. movie mm -hmm. in the tradition of the clunky, the ghost and the darkness, which you may recollect. Oh, gosh, for a long time ago, yes. Yeah, with Michael Douglas, Val Kilmer yes. and two man-eating lions. Nice. This is better. But anyway, after that, it took Beast quite a while to win, win round my good favour and for me to find myself invested in Idris Elba and his daughters. I think Beast would have been far more effective if we hadn't seen the marauding lion, as we never see the shark in Jaws until at least yes, yes, in yes. the movie. And if we relied on the hearsay from Martin and how poachers kill entire prides in order to sell their teeth, their claws, and even their bones on the black market, which at least gives the beast a motivation for its indiscriminate butchery. But thanks to the innate charisma of Idris Elba and the fine performances of Iyana Halley and Leah Jeffries as his daughters, I did end up caring for them a lot. And when the beast does emerge from the savannah, 
the scenes are genuinely, well, terrifying. And although computer generated, it's a far more convincing adversary than the shark in Jaws. The aim of any thriller is to suspend disbelief. And while at times I suspected the lion was not real, it's very realistic. I was caught up in the action enough to be thoroughly shaken. And considering there is such a small setting and so few characters, that is quite an achievement. Hakuna Matata is far from it, Simon. Mm. I just hope that it doesn't give the magnificent mammal a bad name, as the enormous fatality rate in Africa is down to so many causes, a lot of it from terrorism, of course, such as the horrific siege in Mogadishu last week that killed 21 people and wounded 117. Besides, the hippopotamus apparently is responsible for an estimated 3,000 deaths per year, which is, according to one source, several sources, although I find that staggering to believe. 3,000 deaths a year from hippopotamus. But then uh, Jaws, of course, stopped people going in the water for quite yeah, a long time. Yeah, I know. But then Jaws was actually a phenomenally successful film. It didn't open with £600,000 a well, this in is the true. UK. So I do wonder if people were going to see it. But I saw, I went to the first screening of this uh, last Friday and I came back and I sat down and on television was a documentary on the BBC called Lion, The Rise and Fall of the Marsh Pride. Right. And we told you about how endangered a species they are. And it was, it was 90 minutes and I was completely gripped. And I was very glad I watched it. It was an interesting antithesis, antithesis to mm. Beast having just seen it immediately afterwards it just so happened to be on television so despite your strictures and worry about how the story was told it, 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 worthwhile for the exciting bits oh yeah it's terribly exciting idris elba is very charismatic and credible he's a really strong presence i liked the girls mm. it's a really good scare fest okay. i i was th- i mean i just hated prologues because it sort of made it so generic. Yeah, we, yes. If we hadn't seen the lion, I, I think, and we'd seen the slaughter inhabitants of the village, it would have been far more effective when it does finally emerge. Mm. It's such a shame. I don't know why people spend so much money on prologues. Let's just start the movie, for heaven's sake. Yes. Um, well, and that perhaps goes with our discussion about trailers as well. Why tell but, us what's going to happen in the film and give us the best jokes? I know. Pointless. James, let's pause briefly for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. I'm Simon Rose. We're talking business of film with James Cameron Wilson. We only got down to number two in the chart, Beast, but it's a new film. Uh, What uh, next, James? Well, from beastly wild animals to more domesticated version in DC League of Super Pets, which remains at number three, down 26%, with a total of 12.5 million, which is a cartoon about superheroes like Batman and Superman and their pets coming to the rescue, based on the DC comic strips that have been around for more than half a century. At number four, we've got the disappointing Bullet Train with Brad Pitt, which was at number two, now down 29%, with a total of £8.2 million from four weekends. Number five, we've got Nope, which has plummeted four places in spite of excellent reviews, down 50%, with 
a total of 6.2 million, which is actually the poorest box office performance of any Jordan Peele film to date, much worse than Get Out, obviously, which was an unexpected box office smash. And indeed, his follow-up, Us. And it's hard to think that it can any, get anywhere near the box office performance of those two. At number six, we've got Minions, The Rise of Gru, down 24%. Another animated film, which was at number four the previous weekend, with a total of 42.6 million. The aforementioned Top Gun Maverick, at number seven, went up 5%, the only film to go up. It's now got a total of 80.7 million quid. And it is now the ninth highest grossing oh. film in the top 10 of all time in the United Kingdom. It has finally overtaken Titanic. So it'd be interesting, interesting to see because the next one in the way, at number eight, we've got Star Wars The Last Jedi, which has made 82.7 million. But Top Gun Maverick is just hanging in there. I mean, it could get to number eight, but it's still got quite a long way to go. At number eight, we've got Elvis, which was at eight the previous weekend, down 23%. This is Baz Luhrmann's reimagining of Elvis Presley's life in a very flattering, manic way with Austin Butler, brilliant as the king, and I thought Tom Hanks miscast as Tom Parker. That now has a total of almost £26 million. At number nine, we've got Thor 4, down 35%, with a total of £36.7 million, which is the 12th highest grossing Marvel entry, which if you know Marvel, that's saying quite a lot. This has done incredibly well, in spite of mixed reviews. Some people loved it. Some people hated it, like me. Number 10, we've got Fisherman's Friends, one and all, down 52%, with a total of 1.9 million. So there probably won't be a third film. This is, of course, the sequel to Fisherman's Friends, which I thought was far superior to the original. We have a new film at number 12, which I did go and see at my local multiplex, so I feel I should talk about it. Uh, it's got It made 262,000 quid for an uninspiring £612 site average, and it is called The Invitation. Interestingly, in the last three weeks, there have been three widescreen releases with black American protagonists, each of whom has been played by an English-born actor. Daniel Kaluuya, brilliant in Nope, Idris Elba, in the aforementioned Beast, and now Natalie Emmanuel in The Invitation. This weekend, we've got Idris again in 3,000 Years of Longing, but this time he's playing a genie in a bottle. He's not playing an American. And the actor even gets name-checked in The Invitation as our heroine, Evie, Natalie Emmanuel, leaves New York for Britain. Her best friend, Grace, says, if you see Idris Elba, say hi from me. <laughs> Now, Evie is pure New York, works with Grace at catering events where she is routinely humiliated, but who aspires to be a successful ceramicist. When her mother dies, she realises that she has no family left, so is coerced by Grace to do an online DNA test to see if, to see if she's got any other kin that she doesn't know about. And... 
Lo and behold, it transpires that she is the cousin of one Oliver L. Armstrong III, an English aristocrat played by Hugh Skinner, who by sheer coincidence happens to be in New York at the time. He suggests they meet up at an upmarket restaurant and then, delighted by her physical wiles, invites her to a family wedding back in Yorkshire with all costs paid, with nothing to lose and a whole new family to gain. Evie agrees to go. This is all terribly Mills and Boone, but quite fun. And when Evie arrives in Whitby, Yorkshire, we are instantly plunged into Downton Abbey territory. Evie is put up at the local mansion, complete with a grumpy butler and a huge star, while Oliver L. Armstrong III explains, old money, England's full of it. Uh, obviously, they haven't received their energy bills yet. <laughs> yeah. And one Walter Deville is definitely full of it, uh, one of the richest men in the world who looks like a young Sean Connery, owns the said mansion and a six-pack. He immediately showers Evie with presents and glutinous charm, while his status as a singleton is never questioned. Unfortunately, periodically, the invitation wakes up and remembers that it's a horror film, which it made clear from the prologue, which <laughs> opens with thunder and lightning and a suicide. At times, I thought I was watching Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein in colour, along with arch-supporting turns from wacky guests and sinister star, particularly Sean Pertwee's racist butler. No, maybe I thought then this is a parody of the Adams family, as the character's peripheral vision appeared to be non-existent and the sound effects worked overtime, like... If somebody moved, there'd be a big sound effect. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of jump scares. There are jump scares in Beast, but they are well earned. Here, characters just appear out of nowhere in a huge house. The jump scare is to cinema what the exclamation mark is to literature. Something cheap and gaudy and to be avoided at all costs. It's, well, it's a, a lovely reminder that we don't have to sit through all those cheap and fearful hammer horror films mm. of the 1960s and early 1970s. And Natalie Emmanuel, she's really good, but the film is appalling. Anyway, that was at number 12. 12, yes. And I would like to mention the film at number 17. It's the first week in the chart. It made £101,000 at 76 cinemas. It's by far and away the best film in the chart. It is called Official Competition. I did review it last week. You did, and I, I was hoping to go and see it. I just didn't have the time, but I'd like to very much. Um, if it's going to hang around, but it probably won't. Well, it's only showing at 76 cinemas. Mm. I mean, if it was showing at twice that, and when you look at how many cinemas other, uh, what's, for instance... Beast was showing almost uh, 600. Uh, DC League of Super Pets was showing at 665. So official competition, that is quite a strong average. In fact, let's just look up what is the average. That is, it's not good, actually. It's 971. 
so it might not stay around. That's a shame because it's a terrific film with Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas. And I think it's the best performance she's ever given. She is so much fun in this. And Antonio Banderas is really good. And it's just about trying to make a masterpiece and how difficult that is. And they've got a huge budget and they set out. And it's very, very funny. It's but quite profound in places. And I just thought it was fabulous. One of the best films I've seen. Yeah. And sometimes movies about movie making are actually great fun. Not always, but sometimes they are. On the whole, they're really good. Mm. And there have been quite a number of them. But this, this is one of the top ones, certainly. Now, obviously, there aren't that many great new films around. So I looked at Amazon Prime to see what I could find. Mm -hmm. And I found Memory. And for the record, Memory has nothing to do with the hit song from Cats, nor indeed the Alzheimer's that our hero, a hitman with a conscience, played by Liam Neeson, is apparently suffering from. I think there's probably a very funny action thriller with a contract killer with memory loss. But it's already been explored in such films as The Long Kiss Goodnight, which was terrific with Gina Davis. Yeah. And American Ultra, which was great fun with Jesse Eisenberg and Kirsten Stewart. But this is unpleasant and a formulaic clunker, and this is not it. Did you see Christopher Nolan's Memento? I did, yes. Okay, well, I've obviously... More than once. Very yeah, good film. Guy, uh, Guy Pierce, who yes. plays a man with... I think it's anterograde amnesia in the latter. And he's been drafted into memory to, pro to provide some kudos by association. But this is really Liam Neeson's film. And I have to say that at 70 years of age, he is no longer the sprightly 68-year-old bank robber he played <laughs> in Honest Thief about the crook who tries to get on the right side of the FBI. Here, he's an assassin who is again trying to get on the right side of the FBI, in particular, Guy Pierce's Vincent Sierra, who runs the FBI's Child Exploitation Task Force. Neither Pierce nor Leeson approve of child prostitution. And after Neeson's lusty contract killer has attempted to retire, unsuccessfully as hitmen like old actors aren't allowed to call it quits. He agrees to terminate the life of Beatrice, a problematic witness whose father he has already killed. But as he breaks into her bedroom at night and sees all the childish drawings scattered around her bed, he suffers a crisis of conscience and decides not to blow her brains out. And at this stage, I didn't know whether to laugh or grimace. So our Liam finds himself chased by the crime syndicate who hired him, as well as the FBI and the police. And if that isn't enough bad luck for one day, it transpires that he is suffering from early onset Alzheimer's. Although there appears to be nothing wrong with his physical muscle memory, much of memory, which is an American remake of the 2003 Belgian thriller, The Alzheimer Case, is really unpleasant. And much of it is just plain goofy. It manages to both both be offensive and boring and stutters along as if it was directed by a man even older than <laughs> Liam Neeson, which proves he to did. be the case. Yes. <laughs> I just looked it up, yes. Yeah. Martin Campbell, who was yeah, once a great New director. director. Yeah, whose credits include Eskimo Nell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was an earliest well, Forget film. about, forget about <laughs> yes. that. And, of course, the James Bond films, Goldeneye 
and Casino Royale. And on telly, of course, The Great Edge of Darkness. Yeah, yeah, Bob yes, Peck. Indeed, but the yeah. Bob Peck one, yeah. And, and the uh, film, that wasn't as good. But he's 78 now, bless him. And this yes. is not... Anyway, be that as my memory, I recollect, is currently available on Amazon Prime. James, thank you very much indeed. It was a rather dismal um, week, by and large. Sea Beast, I, I it's, a, it's a good... Okay. Good bit of escapism. And it looks terrific. <clears throat> okay. And that's really important. Go if in late and you miss the prologue. That miss the, yeah, get in late. But that's what the cinema is about. And the savannah of South Africa, I believe it was filmed in South Africa, looks stunning. It's a stunning, good-looking film. I really enjoyed my experience with Beast. Well, that's the stunning, good-looking James Cameron Wilson there. He'll be back, well, not next week, because we're both taking a break, but we'll be back the week after with more Business of Film. James, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Simon. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Easy, miss. I've got you. you you've got me? Who's got you? <laughs> I am not an animal! Where the devil are my slippers? <laughs> 